Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Howdy, buckaroos, and welcome to this week's edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. I trust the weather in your neck of the woods is as great is as great as it is here in Iowa today. And the theme of this week's program is leadership in your place of business, in volunteer charities, church committees, civic functions, social groups, in fact, in any collective endeavor where we gather to work or play. Perhaps you're presently a department manager, a corporate executive, or a small business owner. Maybe you've been chosen to lead an ad hoc task force at work or asked to chair a fundraising committee for your favorite charity. And bottom line, whether permanent or temporary, you've been given the awesome responsibility of assigning tasks to others, of inspiring them to contribute and to uh, review and uh, monitor their progress toward an exemplary end result. Well, guess what? Later in the program, my guest, Kevin Eikenberry, will explain why managing folks and being assigned to manage folks is not the same as leading them. And he'll also reveal those skills you will need to be an outstanding leader, encouraging team members not only to meet, but to exceed all expectations. But before I introduce Kevin, let me ask you this question. Is the organization you lead or participate in, hopefully aspire to lead, presently on the fast track to excellence? Um, are you and your colleagues dialed into success, each team member contributing his or her fair share to accomplishment of ambitious yet realistic objectives? Do you even have clearly defined objectives? Does it feel like your enterprise is moving forward, standing still, slipping back, or worst of all, continuing, uh, continually struggling to catch up? You know, every so often, uh, for-profit enterprises, uh, businesses, government entities, not-for-profit charities can all benefit from a health exam. And uh, let's say you uh, perform one and then conclude that your business or not-for-profit uh, enterprise is lagging. Well, if that's so, I've got just the tool you need to get back on track, and I call my tool the Ten Commandments of Collective Renewal, now, please don't label me as sacrilegious. In no way am I pretending that my uh, Ten Commandments have the sacred authority of those that were handed down to Moses on the mountain. But following all ten, or at least most of my Ten Commandments of renewal, should help inspire team members, including yourself, to energetically pull together for extraordinary results. But first, let's talk about uh, your objective. What should your objective be in terms of renewing your organization? Well, practically every business, public or and not-for-profit enterprise, or large and small, including yours and mine, is populated by two distinct groups. 
those who deeply care about the collective outcome and those who do not, who really don't give a darn, uh, as long as they get a paycheck and time off. <laughs> In the words of long-ago L.A. Dodger manager Tommy DeSorta, do your employees and volunteers bleed Dodger blue? In contrast, are most participants content with just staying out of trouble, doing an adequate but probably not outstanding job while looking forward to next weekend or this summer's vacation? The bottom line is simple, but execution is very tough. To revise your, revive your lagging enterprise, you need to expand, inspire, and nurture the universe of emotionally committed all-in managers, employees, and volunteers, and then you need to give them a definite target to aim at and some coaching to get them there. And that's precisely what my Ten Commandments of Collective Renewal are designed to accomplish. And I don't have time to discuss these in detail. To learn all about them, you'll have to uh, refer to my book, which we'll talk about later. But here's a summary of the Ten Commandments. Commandment one, you will permit uh, promote collective entity-wide revitalization as a project of highest priority. It can't just be a pie-in-the-sky uh, objective with no practical implications or no way really to achieve it. So, but it must be uh, considered priority number one, not just something you do in your spare time after you spend the day doing the real work. Commandment number two, you will stick your neck out and ask for commitment. And I mean ask from top to bottom. You don't just send a, a memo out or an email or uh, maybe make a speech in front of your whole company or department. You need to talk to people face-to-face and overcome the objections and the negative feedback you might get. You need to stick your neck out and ask for that commitment. Commandment number three, you will build the future around seasoned onboard talent. You know, nobody starts from scratch, succeeds by starting completely from scratch. That doesn't make a lot, a lot of sense. You don't really need to invent the wheel. Now, you may need to hire a certain expertise that you're lacking or uh, areas where your present uh, enterprise is deficient, but you've got to stick with them that brung you. <laughs> They're the ones that got you to where you are today, and it makes no sense to uh, go through uh, major layoffs and start all over. That just doesn't make any sense. You need to inspire and build on your present onboard talent. Commandment number four, you will affirm collective mission and build upon identified strengths. It makes no sense to uh, try to accomplish objectives when you don't have the resources or the onboard talent to accomplish them. You'll just be spinning your wheels, and in the end, everyone will feel worse off because they failed to meet the objectives when you never really had a chance to meet them in the first place, given uh, your resources and what you have on board. And commandment number five, you will renew individually and collectively, beginning at the very top. You know, it's very difficult to uh, improve the circumstances and the momentum in your company if all the individuals working there are down in the dumps, including you as a leader. So commandment number uh, five acknowledges the two ingredients essential to recharging your enterprise. Authentic commitment must begin at the very top 
with you, the business owner, CEO, department head, committee chairperson, or task force leader, and for God's sake, don't fake it. You really must be committed to it. And the second, collective entity-wide revival works best when accompanied by personal self-examination and a recommitment on the part of individuals throughout the organization. It's uh, individual and collective renewal. That's what works best. Moving on to commandment number six, you will give every employee or volunteer an opportunity to expand personal franchise. I encourage you as a leader to disperse decision rights and personal responsibility throughout your organization. On the other hand, one word of caution, a leader must never force decision rights upon anyone not ready, uh, willing, or competent to accept personal responsibility. Like it or not, our world is populated by natural leaders and natural followers. And that brings us to commandment number seven. You will introduce incentives to inspire participants to think outside the lines. Uh, you know, to transform your enterprise, you must disseminate the unequivocal message the status quo no longer is good enough. From now on, innovators will be rewarded for proposing and or implementing positive change. Now, this doesn't mean that uh, we just uh, take all our uh, total disruptors and put them in charge of the operation because, obviously, uh, we need leadership uh, Requirements include sound judgment, uh, respect for others, and ability to uh, motivate and evaluate performance, and an active concern for the bottom line. So you can't just have somebody that disrupts without building. But we also need to uh, increase the emphasis given to change in uh, proposing innovation, experimentation when we're dealing out those bonuses or those promotions. And that takes us to commandment number eight. You will expand circles of cooperation throughout and beyond your organization. You know, dedicated, self-competent employees and volunteers tend to seek out and interact effectively with similarly committed colleagues. And as the eighth commandment, I urge you to take advantage of uh, positive emotions by creating and expanding circles of cooperation both inside and beyond your enterprise boundaries. You know, it makes a lot of sense for uh, suppliers and customers maybe to correspond and uh, have a circle of cooperation with uh, our uh, firm so that we uh, exchange information on inventory, coordinate shipments, and uh, uh, maybe even uh, engage in uh, product enhancements. Makes a lot of sense. Let's move on to commandment number nine. You will provide every volunteer and employee with a realistic opportunity to accomplish personal objectives. Given human nature, every manager, employee, and volunteer will inquire silently or out loud, what's in this initiative for me? And will I wind up better off uh, then than I am now? And uh, will I... Uh, how will changes impact my paycheck, independence, and authority? And as a facilitator of change, uh, your initial task is to convince obstructionists that giving 100%, they too can benefit from corporate revitalization. Which brings us finally to commandment number 10. You will sustain positive momentum through periodic progress reviews. 
I encourage you as uh, leaders to take periodic times out to assess interim progress in accomplishing individual and collective goals. And uh, progress review should be scheduled in advance at routine intervals following conclusion of each phase of renewal. And except in dire emergencies, review sessions should never be canceled or postponed indefinitely. And here's another thought. For God's sake, don't do all the talking at these reviews. <laughs> Those who go in and do all the talking and refuse to listen learn absolutely nothing and probably accomplish about the same. So keep your ears open and look for that feedback in those periodic reviews. Well, there they are, my Ten Commandments for Collective Renewal, and I trust you won't find them presumptuous. But if you follow all ten, you will vastly improve your chances of revitalizing your business or not-for-profit entity. And before I introduce my guest, may I remind you that I have written a book all about uh, revitalization of corporations, small businesses, government uh, entities, uh, even not-for-profit enterprises, uh, practically any place where we work and play together. And the book is titled, Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. And no, it's not all about sailing. The book's subtitle explains it all, Recreating and Re-Energizing Lagging Enterprises and Participants Midstream. And that's what it's all about. And here's a crazy fact. You may not even realize your business or not a profit entity is lagging behind and is far short of potential. That's why the first part of my book is all about taking inventory, taking stock of your enterprise strengths and weaknesses. And then the remainder of the book, if we find uh, after our inventory that we are lacking in some areas, the remainder of the book proposes solutions. And it contains a treasure chest of ideas to revitalize your department, committee, or organization as a whole, along with the individuals that are uh, employed or volunteers, all the participants in your operation. And if you presently lead or even aspire to lead, this may be the ideal book for you. And that title again is Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines by Roy C. Richards. It's a few years old now, but as new as tomorrow's sunrise. <laughs> and uh, Roy Richards, of course, is me. And you can preview and purchase my book on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, or through our website, MiddleAgeRenewal.com. And now let's move on to this week's interview. Well, now that spring is finally here, have you noticed the positive impact of warmer weather on people's emotions? For the past several weeks, I'll bet in every store, restaurant, or office building you walked into, folks smiled and commented on what a nice day it was. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how a nice environment outdoors, not too cold and not too hot, can improve folks' outlook, perspective, and attitude? And over this next segment, I want to talk to you small business owners, corporate executives, department managers, project managers, team leaders, individual contributors, in fact, anyone who aspires to a leadership role in your business or not-for-profit organization, formal or informal, and have you noticed, just like weather, the environment of your workplace has an impact on folks, customers, managers, and those performing everyday tasks for the better or for the worst. 
So here's a question for you. What environment presently exists in your workplace? Is it the one you want? If not, what can you do from where you are today to change it for the better? And to answer this question, I've invited world-renowned leadership expert Kevin Eikenberry uh, to join our program today. And Kevin Eikenberry is a two-time best-selling author, speaker, consultant, trainer, and coach through his leadership and learning consulting company, the Kevin Eikenberry Group. He's been helping organizations, teams, and individuals reach their potential since 1993, and he's been recognized as one of Inc.com's top 100 leadership and management experts in the whole world. That's pretty impressive. And he's author or contributing author of over 15 books, including bestsellers, Remarkable Leadership, and From Bud to Boss. That's a book for uh, new managers as they move from the role of uh, uh, buddies with co-workers to managing them, and I love that title. And in addition to uh, answering questions, Kevin's here to tell us about his upcoming Remarkable Leadership two-day workshops. And hello, Kevin, and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Well, I hope. Well, I'm glad to be here, Roy, and I hope middle age can be my best age because I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, and, you know, y- your comment about uh, the role of leaders in, in creating an environment is so true because every leader is creating an environment. The real question is, are we creating the one we want? Yeah. Is it winter or is it spring, right? Yeah. I've worked in some places where it was kind of a constant winter, I think. <laughs> well, uh, you talk in your workshop about a proven 3O leadership model. What are the three O's and how do, they, uh, how do we combine them? to make a positive impact by serving others first and foremost, as you put it. Well, I, I think that that's exactly right, and, and I'll tie it to this idea of the environment that we want to create. See, as leaders, there's really three things. There's really two things as leaders that we're, we should be about. Number one is we should be about outcomes. That's the first O. What are the outcomes that we're trying to achieve, whether those are goals, uh, a mission, a vision, whatever, objectives, strategies, whatever words you want to use, as a leader, we're trying to help people move towards a desired future that's better and than where leader, we are you today. you better know what outcome you're seeking before you try to lead. <laughs> well, we need to know what they are, yeah. yeah, or we certainly need to know what they are, and then we certainly have to be able to communicate them successfully to others because yeah. the second O is others because we can't lead. You used the word serve a minute ago. Uh, we're not leading for us. We're leading Others, we can't get to those outcomes alone. If we could, we don't aren't a leader. We're just yeah. working. Uh, and so it's about how do we help other people and in, encourage other people and enable other people to reach those outcomes. And then the third O is ourselves. And while some leaders want to focus on themselves first, the real focus should be on outcomes and others and just recognizing, though, that who we are has an impact yeah, on those outcomes be, yeah. and others. If we're urging other people to be uh, straightforward and true and uh, dedicated, we better be that ourselves. <laughs> well, you're going to get your, you know, your team is going to be a mirror of you, right? Yeah. And so, if, back to back to environment. If you know, I wish I had a dime, Roy, for every uh, time a leader said to me, "Man, I've got so many people that are negative. I've yeah. got we got such a negative attitude around our office." And I'm thinking, man, let's let's look in the mirror because you know they're they're following your your cues and your clues. I'm not saying that we can change everyone's attitude in the workplace, but if the overall the overall prevalent um, environment is going to be a reflection of us. Yeah. 
Well, you encourage us to lead, not just manage, that the actual transition from thinking and believing like a manager to thinking and behaving like a leader, as you put it, can be the biggest lever to improve job satisfaction for everyone and results. Can you briefly describe for us the difference between a manager and a leader? Yeah, I sure can. You know, a lot of people, some people will, some people that do what I do will like, will say that the manager role is don't be a manager. That's a bad thing. And all I would say is that all of those descriptors that you gave Roy at the start, um, if you are the supervisor of others, you have a role to be a manager, to budget, forecast, plan, and all of those things. So being a manager is not a bad thing. It's just not a complete answer. The complete answer is that as a supervisor at whatever level, you are both a manager and a leader. You have things that you need to manage and people that you need to lead. And so the difference is is thinking about the perspective change from saying I'm managing. Um, And by the way, if you're happy with the status quo, management might be enough. But if you're really trying to reach a new outcome, as we talked about earlier, we need to lead. People, we need to be moving in the direction of that, and people need someone to follow, and that's a leader's role. Yeah. Well, let's say that your business is doing okay, no impending disasters, but you mm-hmm. as owner or CEO or whatever, uh, department manager, have a gut feel that things could be better. Any suggestions on how best to gauge your uh, business's current environment? and to pinpoint those areas where you need most need improvement. You talk about a CARB, C-A-R-B model to diagnose and improve team effectiveness. What is that? Well, so uh, I'll answer the, uh, those almost two questions. So the first thing is I think that the first thing you want to do is you want to engage your team. Uh, yeah. You need to get the perspective of others to see where we are. You probably need to engage some of your customers, and you probably need to engage someone outside of, all of that because yeah. we can't have a perspective broad enough in many cases to really uh, really analyze that you know we are not as human beings really good at self awareness and so if we and so if we can get some outside perspectives from a coach from a consultant from someone to help us think that through and they can be formal or informal it doesn't have to be someone that you pay uh but someone that can help you see what you can't see yourself yeah. in terms of our card model it's really about recognizing that uh, you're not going to build your team just by having, a, you know, let's all go mini golf today and have some fun and maybe have a beverage. And, you know, Once a year bowling in a beverage is not going to solve your team problems. And just getting everyone to like each other isn't going to solve your yeah. team problems. And so we think about a carb model of being there needs to be a, a gauge of the commitment that the team has to it themselves, uh, to each other, uh, to the alignment that we have to goals. That's the A. The R is relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And the B is behaviors and skills. Boy, those are certainly all necessary. Well, communication both ways, up and down, as you mentioned a minute ago, is one of the keys to favorable work environment. We need to get the feedback or we won't uh, know really how our employees feel. Can you give it's us true. a few leadership communication strategies that uh, help us to be more effective as a communicator and to elicit those responses from uh, people that are working with and for us? Yeah, the first thing is uh, we need to talk less. Most <laughs> leaders are talking too much. Um, they're talking too much in meetings. They're talking too much with individuals. So we need to talk less and talk later, which means if we want our team to engage, we have to give them the chance to. And if we've done all the talking, Roy, then they've sort of figured, well, there's really nothing we should add because the boss has already decided. So, uh, you know, 
if if we will talk less and talk later, we'll, that'll move us a long way down the road. And then I would say ask more questions. Yeah. Uh, if you do those three things, if you will talk less, talk later, and ask more questions, you'll be a much more effective communicator in general and especially as a leader with the power differential that comes from being a leader. Yeah, well, here's an issue especially relevant to company founders and small business owners. It's so tempting to attempt to do everything yourself, but this greatly limits both your success now and your growth potential. Obviously, you can't duplicate yourself over and over as you grow. Can you suggest? It also limits how much sleep you get, Roy. It also (laughs) limits how much sleep you get. Can you suggest uh, techniques for delegating more effectively? How do we how do we train ourselves to do that? Well, first of all, we have to decide we're, we, we want to, and we have to decide for the right reasons. Yeah. If we're only deciding to get it off of our plate so we can take a two-day vacation, we won't <laughs> do it very well. We'll just dump it, right? Yeah. And de- delegation really at the heart of it is coaching. Yeah. So we've got to make a mental decision that we're willing to let go, and yeah. then we have to take the time to do it right, which means providing the other person a chance to be successful, not just you know, giving them a, a five-minute um, description of the task and say, go forth and be fruitful. So, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, delegation starts with a mindset of, I'm not going to dump this on someone. I'm going to develop yeah. someone. Yeah, and then and then it's coaching, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, you can go Google how to delegate and find a lot of good stuff, but if your head isn't in the right place about why you're doing it, it won't work yeah. very successfully. No, that's such a good point. Well, let's talk a little bit about these two-day workshops with the title From Manager to Remarkable Founder. What is the format? Is it like a college class where does the workshop consist primarily of listening to you and your uh, team lecture us on the benefits and nuances well, of a <laughs> genuine leadership? Roy, as, as entertaining as that might be. Um, <laughs> you know, no. So first, the first thing is no PowerPoint. The first thing about these two-day workshops is they are workshops. They are learning experiences and folks who come to, to want to move, make that transition from being a manager to being a remarkable leader are going to interact with the rest of the group. And they're going to hopefully see me following those tenets I just gave you of asking more, talking less, and talking later. So they're very much interactive, uh, engaging workshops to help uh, folks really up their leadership game and become more focused on how they can support others to reach better outcomes. And so uh, it, yeah, it's two days. Uh, you know, people can learn more about it by going to remarkableleadership.com. And uh, we've got an upcoming session in Dallas. And, you know, even if people are listening to this later, we're not going anywhere. So remarkableleadership.com, people can learn all about that. Yeah, but I'd like to share one thing. June 21st and June 22nd, I think, isn't that right? Yep, June 21 and 22 in Dallas. That is for yeah. sure, right? But I'd like to share one other thing. You were talking about environment and we're talking about leaders and you know one of the big changes that's happening in the world for leaders is that more and more of their folks are not down the hall they are across town or across the country or around the globe and so my brand my brand new book is called the long distance leader and it's all about how do we lead teams that aren't all in the same place what's the role of what's our role in doing that and so we'll talk a little bit about that in the in the workshop we talked about a minute ago, but people can learn a lot more about um, what we're doing to help leaders remotely and about this book that's coming out 
very soon. In fact, June the 5th is the is the publication oh, date. What a, what a timely subject, like you say. The more and more people commute from home and, the, you know. There's I, no doubt. Like the people I deal with, one I think is in Arizona, the other in Florida. <laughs> They're used to yep. being and my, my team is and that's long gone. <laughs> yeah. My team is spread from is spread from Phoenix to South Carolina, uh, from Virginia to Chicago, and then as some folks here in Indianapolis. So um, we've spent a lot of time helping organizations and leaders on that. And if people want to learn more, we've got we've got some special offers because you're listening to this podcast. You can just go to longdistanceleaderbook.com forward slash podcast longdistanceleaderbook.com forward slash podcast, and you can learn. You get a sample chapter of the book, uh, get some special offers if you pre-order the book, and a lot more. Oh, that sounds great. Well, that's a very timely uh, subject. And uh, in terms of your workshops, who should attend? Are they workshops strictly for business owners and C-level executives, or will uh, first-line managers also benefit? And how about those who aspire to enter management ranks? Uh, Yeah, I think that... It's a it's a great question, and I think that um, it, I, I, this particular workshop for manager to remarkable leader is for anyone who's been leading for a while. That could be a long while, like someone at, a, at the C-suite. That could be someone who's as a business owner has yeah. sudden looks around and suddenly there's a dozen people here or ten people here or five people here, and they're figuring out how do we, how do we do this. Um, it's probably not for the brand new supervisor just promoted. Uh, we've got a Bud DeVos workshop for that. People can go to BudDeVos.com. But for really anyone who's been leading for any length of time and is really looking to step up um, to be a more effective leader and not just manage, then this workshop uh, from manager to remarkable leader will be of great value to them. And we expect to have a wide range of those folks in the room. And I believe that wide range actually makes for a richer learning experience for oh, folks because you get the sure. chance to figure you out. As much from fellow uh, attendees as you do from the not, – not to denigrate your – No, <laughs> you're, you're exactly correct. And if I do my job right, that's exactly what will happen because I'll, I'll be creating an opportunity for people to get to know each other well enough to share, and, and that's what we certainly always hope to do. In so. the evenings between the first and second night, you probably learn a lot when you're out having a cocktail or two with, with fellow leaders. <laughs> we always lot. encourage people to visit. I mean, the cocktails are optional, yeah. uh, but we certainly encourage people to interact, right? And, yeah. and because you're, you're exactly right. The, the, uh, the chance to interact and share, hey, you know what? My situation um, at the face of a coal mine is not all that different from your situation you know, leading a team in a warehouse or uh, as a C-suite executive. That's exactly and right. Where do we go to uh, sign up for the, the webinars or, or all the information you offer? What, what's the best? Give us that website again. Is that the best so, place to go? Yep, people can go to RemarkableLeadership.com uh, to learn about that workshop we've talked about, or they can go to KevinEikenberry.com to get the full sense of what we're up, up to and get some free, some other great free stuff there as well. And you've got those remarkable leadership, and from Bud to Boss, I love those uh, two books. One was 2017, just last year, and the other one's been around since 2011, I believe. But that, that's such a great title because that's really for the first-time managers stepping up to uh, be a leader. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, in conclusion, hey, baby boomers, and some of you Generation Xers as well, in case you hadn't noticed, the traditional hierarchical, uh, hierarchical, <laughs> hierarchical top-down structure no longer cuts it with the younger generations. 
um, those now uh, in their 20s or early 30s or maybe just entering the market. Most young folks no longer are willing to routinely work 70 to 80 hours per week and get paid for 40, adhere to a restrictive work schedule, and follow strict, uh, perhaps well-intentioned operating ground rules. There are simply too many alternative employment options out there, and if you're a manager, new or old, or if you aspire to soon become one, it is no longer enough to simply give out orders and then wait for them to be accomplished. And as my guest, Kevin Eikenberry, has so adroitly pointed out, uh, today, those in charge of a small company, uh, small business company, department, or ad hoc task force need to effectively lead. That means explain why, uh, seek feedback, inspire, motivate, monitor, and reward superior performance, not just sit back and give the orders or manage the business. And managing simply isn't enough to get results. You must lead. And thank you so much, Kevin. And once again, your uh, website is remarkableleadership.com. And uh, I promise uh, if you go there, you'll thank yourself that you did because it's loaded with resources. And thanks so much, Kevin, for joining us here today. Boy, it's been a pleasure to be with you. Thanks so much. Now, all of you out there, go out and enjoy the springtime, both outdoors and indoors, through a positive get-or-done attitude, and uh, by all uh, participants in the places where you work and uh, play. And tune in again next week for Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 